Lake Church. Hallelujah. It's good to see each and every one of you. Amen. This is going to hurt. I'll just tell you that right now. This is going to hurt. But praise God, it'll be good. Amen. Hallelujah. Hurt so good. John Cougar Mellencamp sung that, and I agree with that statement this morning. Amen? Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and in the four hours I have this morning, <laughs> oh, I'm just joking. See, I got I to gotta get you on edge, you know, got to get you... All right. So we're looking at um, God is preparing us. And you know, I was just like uh, asking the staff and asking my wife and, and even asking some pastors that follow us. Uh, I said, man, uh, I've just been praying for the Lord to give me something nice, you know, and, and happy and, and fluffy. You know, and uh, he just won't. He just won't let me. Um, but he is commissioned us to create an end time army, and uh, and that's what the goal of 2021 was: is to uh, get ready for something that is happening on the earth today, as we can see uh, through our timelines and through our televisions and computers we can see that there is a shift there is a change that is upon us and has been upon us for quite some time the lord began to deal with me about this back in 2015 2015 and this is what he told me and uh, of course anything he tells me is not applicable to you in the sense that it's my conviction but he said Turn the television off. He said, shut down this media garbage that's coming into your life and begin to press into me. And we've endeavored to do that now for over five years uh, in that regard. And the Lord has just shown us some tremendous, tremendous things. And so I want to talk to you about the craft. And this is what the Lord told me. He said this. He said, majority of marriages, majority of people's physical condition and body, majority of their financial problems are caused by the fact that they are still committed executioners of the craft. Okay? We've got to understand that, you know, you've got to, if, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to be for this day, for this hour, then we've got to first look at the house of God. You know, judgment begins where? In the house of God. Well, where's the house of God? It's right here. It's not in here. This, this building is not the house of God. <clears throat> the house of God is the church. It's you and I. So we've got to look at ourselves. 
you know, and, and th there are people that, that don't believe large portion of the body of Christ doesn't believe in the supernatural. They've let Jeffersonian theology take over our churches. And uh, they don't believe in the supernatural. Uh, they equate all demonic manifestations to some kind of mental situation that can be somehow, you know, alleviated through medicine. And uh, that's just not the way Jesus operated. I'm not against medicine. But Jesus operated on a higher plane. And just like we said with hardcore Jesus... If we're going to do what Jesus did, then we need to be who Jesus was and is. Amen? And uh, need to, you know, act in accordance with that. We need to preach what he preached, not what the world church preaches, not what cultural church preaches. We need to preach what the Bible says. And when we do that, the power will always be there. But when we dilute it down and we try to make it conducive for culture to take in, that's when we lose our ability to do what Jesus did. And uh, so we've been addressing that during this time. But I want us to look at this scripture. Now, I've addressed some of these things. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, Lord, I've told them this and I've told them this and I've told them this. And this is what the Lord said. Tell them again. Tell them again. So it must be important. Because you can ask my staff, you can ask my wife. This isn't just something that I just want to do. I enjoy teaching the Bible. I enjoy teaching about this subject. But I had to ask myself, am I teaching this just because I like it? Or am I teaching it because it's a mandate from the Lord? And I, I, I received my answer that it was a mandate from the Lord. So don't think I'm just up here doing my personal, you know, uh, pet doctrine, okay? I'm trying to equip you for the end times. Amen. Amen. Because there's a different mindset. You know, I've been in the ministry now for 30 years. And I have never seen anything like what we're seeing in 30 years and I've talked with people that have been in ministry 50, 60 years and they will tell you they have never seen this this is definitely the fulfillment of the end of the age we're seeing it happen right before our eyes and we have to be the end time church that is able to seize the opportunities and the moments that Christ has created us for amen so we've got to Okay, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself, and then we're going to be in trouble, all right? Okay, now notice this in the third chapter of 2 Timothy. It says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficult difficulty. The actual Greek says there will day, be days that are hard to bear. Days that are hard to bear, Okay. All right, I believe we're experiencing those days. And some, and some, you know, America's really hasn't had it as much as the other nations of the world, especially in regards to the gospel and, and, and uh, the persecution. But it's coming. For people will be lovers. Now, notice this. It doesn't say people will hate. It doesn't say that. People will hate. 
No, it says people will love. You got to get a hold of this. The devil always has a substitute for everything that God has. If God has something, the devil has something that he uses to imitate it. And where we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, you see, the enemy has another type of love. And that's where you see love is love. I saw that. I went to North Carolina. You saw it all over the place. Love is love. No, it isn't. Love is God. God is love. You've got to live by that paradigm as a Christian. You can't live by the love is love paradigm. You can't do that. In all actuality, it should say lust is lust because that's what it is. Because the substitute that the enemy brings in for love is lust. And you can actually feel like you're in love because you have a strong desire to be with somebody. But you're not in love, you're in lust. You just have a strong desire. It has nothing to do with building a life with someone, with having a connection with someone. It has nothing to do with it at all. It's just you've got a strong desire and you are interpreting it as love. But God is the definition of love. For a believer, God is the definition. So that means love is a person. It isn't just a definable term. Love is a person. The only way I can define love is I see who God is and what he's about, his character and his nature and his word. And that's my definition of love. And as a Christian, that's the only definition. It's the only definition. And one of the things that we talked about is that love, who is God, hates certain things. He doesn't hate people, but he hates certain things. Clearly in the scripture, he calls them abominations. The very thing we say love is love in our culture are abominable things to God. Because the devil has a substitute. There's people say, well, I'm in love with her. I'm in love with him. Well, you know, biblical love is not emotional. God doesn't love you because he's got goose pimples about you. He loves you because he decided to. Because it's who he is. And, you know, there's a lot of people that get married and they don't have that love. They don't have agape. Agape is the love of decision. It's, the, the, it's deciding to love. It's saying, no matter what, no matter what you look like or what you do or what you say, I love you. That's agape love. That's the same love that Jesus displayed on the cross because they reviled him as he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the love that needs to permeate the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and stop this goose pimply, you know, mushy, love is love type of crap that's coming out of our mouths. Because it doesn't change anything. Well, we just need to be accepting and we just need to be, listen, 
Heaven is an exclusive area. Mm. It doesn't say men are going to be haters. It says men are going to be lovers. But the problem is, is they're going to be lovers of themselves. That's the problem. They're going to be lovers of themselves. And guess what? Lovers of what? Of money. Lovers of money. You look at every social media influencer. You look at every hip-hop artist. You look at everybody. It's all about self, and it's all about money. Hello. How many remember the Me Too movement? Remember that, that Hollywood was going to be cleaned out. It's going to be cleaned out from all of the, you know, the, 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 the guys, the, the um, producers and, and all the film directors that were, you know, doing things against the starlets and the, and the, and the women in the industry and the men in the industry because they kind of flow both ways. Um, but... Uh, but anyway, if we were going to get rid of all of the sexual, you know, abuse and, and Hollywood. And, and then you look at TikTok. I'm glad Me Too changed some things. Now I can look at TikTok and see people shaking their boobies and shaking their butts. I'm, 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 you know, there's, we've got to stop playing with this stuff. You tell me you do not want to be seen as an object, but yet you're going to do those kinds of challenges on TikTok? You're telling me you don't want to be perceived as a sexual object? See, the problem isn't that we can legislate it because we can't. The problem is spiritual. The problem can be solved with the real gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The real gospel, not the candy-coated, fake gospel that we have right now. But the true repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Hallelujah. It's that North Carolina air, brothers. Notice what else? Proud that these days would be known for their arrogance and their pride. And that's part of the craft. We're going to find that out here. Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Do you, do you see a main theme here? Conceit, pride. Hello. See, the Lord said this, Come unto me, all ye that labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, for my burden is light. Come and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly. And I will bring rest to your souls. Yeah. 
Anxiety pills are at all-time high, yeah. even in the church. Yeah, People are filled with anxiety and stress. And this is what the Lord was telling me when I began to pray. Because see, see, I said, Lord, we have a rise next week. I'm only going to have one shot to teach this. This is not a one-shot thing. And he said, if you'll teach them what, what I'm showing you today, he says it'll be the answer to their anxiety, their stress, and their worry. And that they'll be delivered from mindsets that are destroying their physical body. Okay? So I'm going to endeavor to do that, all right? So then he goes on and says, lovers of pleasure. Boy, that's certainly true. Rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying the power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, just as Jans and Jambres. Now, Jans and Jambres are interesting characters. And the Apostle Paul chooses to use these two characters in the context of the end times. Who are Jans and Jambres? Jans and Jambres were the two Egyptian priests that withstood Moses in the courts of Pharaoh. Now, the Bible doesn't list Jans and Jambres in the text when we look at the book of Exodus. However, when we look at Jewish documents and history of the Jews, Jans and Jambres is a very popular topic. Especially in Second Temple literature, Jans and Jambres is used for multiple uh, illustrations and ways uh, that began to denote the satanic and witchcraft resistance that was against the people of God. And it's curious that the Apostle Paul would use this in the context of the last days showing us that the last day battle isn't going to be the agnostic and the atheist against the believer. It's going to be the spiritualist against the believer. So he uses Jans and Jambres that our number one threat to our culture and our society is not atheism. It's not agnostics. It's witchcraft. It's spiritism. It's new age. Hello? Because there's a lot of believers in charismatic churches that operate in this same spirit. And they call it the Holy Spirit. And it's not the Holy Spirit. It's another spirit. Seeks to imitate the Holy Spirit, but it's not the Spirit. Come on, is this too much for you this morning? 
but he uses Jans and Jambres as the, the, the uh, illustration of the times that we live in, is that we're living in an age in which supernatural things are coming into collision. Jesus, when casting out devils, said, if I cast out devils, he said, the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come unto you. He's saying this basically. He's saying that through the deliverance of people, receiving deliverance from demonic oppression and obsession, he said that is the greatest manifestation physically that you and I can see that there is two kingdoms fighting against one another in the invisible realm. And that it's deliverance that brings these out into the forefront. Hello, not our picnics and, you know, uh, potluck dinners and, you know, kumbaya singing. It's deliverance. And one thing that characterized Jesus' ministry more than it is his confrontation of spirits. But yet you can't find a church. That's you know, consistently confronts this at all. And in fact, if they do, they're criticized. And they're made out, oh, those weird people down there. They're strange. Well, Jesus' ministry was strange. We've tried to make the ministry acceptable. We've tried to make the ministry popular with our skinny jeans and our lattes and our little hats. And Jesus ain't about any of it. He doesn't care if you wear skinny jeans or not. He doesn't, doesn't care at all. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. It matters what's on the inside. Amen? But he uses Jans and Jambres. Jans and Jambres is a sign that the end time church age will be confronted with the supernatural. Whether they like it or not. Whether you care for this or not. Whether you care for it or not. I don't think I like this very well. It don't matter. It don't matter. It's going to hit you, slap you upside the head. It's going to confront you. And it is. Amen. Now let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Lord, help me. How are we going to take on the powers of darkness and the powers of witchcraft that are amassed against our nation and amassed against churches? Well, we got to get it out of our own house. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. We got to get it out of our own house. And there's people that don't even know that they're wearing the hat, man. They don't even know that they're witches and warlocks. They have no idea, no clue, because the craft is the nature of fallen man. Witchcraft is the religion of fallen man. Because man is disconnected from God, he has to use alternative ways to connect and get 
direction and to exercise power because he's disconnected from God so they begin to use other means and that's what witchcraft is everyone in this building and outside of this building wants to control their life they want to control their life and they also wouldn't be too hurt if they could control others <laughs> it wouldn't bother them one bit if they, if they could control others everybody wrestles with this because that's what the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was all about. It was about seizing and taking control, no longer being a dependent creation, but being an independent creation. And so the craft came into our being. And that's what's happening in our nation. You are seeing the craft in every bit of your news and your media and your, you're seeing it. You're seeing it more. Jans and Jambres are on the scene. Where's Moses? Where's Aaron? I don't know. Where are they at? It's right here. But we're not stepping up. We're not stepping up. Now notice this again. Um, Malachi chapter 4, verse number 5. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before... The great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Notice this. Jans and Jambres are showing up in Paul's end-time treatment. He's saying, just as Jans and Jambres withstood Moses... These people are going to withstand you, okay? Then Malachi has the prophetic utterance that before the great day of the Lord, which we all know is coming, amen? He said, I'm going to send you Elijah. Now, why would he use Elijah? Now we understand that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And what did he do? He addressed, now get this, get a hold of this. It'll all come together. He addressed spiritual, political, and cultural corruption. That's what he did. John the Baptist did that. In fact, he was beheaded because he began to expose the hypocrisy and the sexual immorality of the leaders of the people. Why would he use Elijah? Because Elijah's whole ministry 
was against Ahab and Jezebel and the priest of Baal and Asherah. They were in control of the nation. They influenced everything that the nation did. They were the king's cabinet and advisors. No more was Yahweh able to influence the, the uh, northern kingdom. It was now being influenced by false gods and the priests of those gods. And I'm here to tell you that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, God's going to send forth Elijah... You didn't get that. God's going to send forth Elijah. Well, I believe he's one of the two witnesses. Well, I believe that too. But the spirit of Elijah is still here. So now we've got Ahab, we've got Jezebel. Now we have the prophets of Baal. We have the prophets of Asherah. They're in control, or seemingly in control, because God ultimately has the final say. Control of our nation. But where is the spirit of Elijah? Well, we're too busy with the craft. Lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. Just 25 more minutes, guys. It'll all be over. It'll all be over. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that God is calling us up and we're refusing to answer. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's good. We don't want to confront these things. We want to continue to play with our own personal witchcraft, then confront it. Because we know if we confront it, we're hypocrites. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Now, now, I got to tell you what witchcraft is, okay? Because most people think, well, that's where they got hats and they fly around in brooms and they stand around cauldrons and things of that nature. Well, there is a fleshly arm of witchcraft and then there's a supernatural arm of witchcraft. And you got to understand both of them because guess what? Because of the fall of man, man operates in both. Man operates in one naturally, and man can cultivate the other. Okay? Now, I'm not going to focus on the supernatural aspect of it. I'm going to focus on the natural arm, because if we can get rid of the natural arm, our marriages will be saved. Our businesses will be saved. Our finances will be blessed. Our bodies will heal. We're playing with, you're playing with snakes, you're going to get bit. But people don't even know they're playing with snakes. Okay? 
All right. So let's go to, uh, goodness gracious, I'm running out of time. And everyone says amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. See, the devil's not a fool. You should never demean the devil. You should hate him with a perfect hatred, just like the Bible says, but you should be respectful in the sense that he knows what he's doing. He's good at what he does. Listen, he's not a fool. He's not going to put something horrible and ugly before you. It's always going to be beautiful. Always. Every single time. It's going to be beautiful. I'm suspect of two things. I'm suspect of flattery. And I'm suspect of people that overly emphasize their physical appearance. I know that doesn't go over very well. But I am suspect of two types of people. I'm subject to people that flatter and manipulate and those that emphasize. I'm not talking about brushing your teeth and wearing deodorant. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about when they look like something out of Hollywood. The emphasis is on the wrong stuff, guys. We are to be, I know this, isn't going, this is going to go over. I, it's like a, what? like a scud missile. But I'm going to tell you the truth. God likes plainness. He just loves it. He loves taking someone that flawed and broken and plain and earthy and and he loves just his glory is able to so there's a lot of <laughs> how can you project the glory of God when your glory is superseding it? Hello. It's the truth. God loves it. He says, he says, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, know you not, you know, don't you know that there's not very many that are wealthy and not very many that are, he uses the word uh, noble birth, but the actual word is Eugene, Eugene in the Greek. And the word Eugene is where we get eugenics, and it has to do with our genetics. You know, listen, uh, you know, I've got one eye that's smaller than the other eye. Everybody in here is imperfect. Everyone. You can accentuate, get, you know, get, come on now. When babies are born, people say, oh, the baby, she's just perfect. He's just perfect. Well, if you get out the little devices and look at it, you'll find that there is variations and difference because we live in a fallen world. And, you know, mankind hasn't been perfect since the fall. Hello. Hello. You know, I got hair on my back. I got hair in my ears. I got hair growing out of my nose. Come on. Hello. We've all got issues. God loves that. Because it shows a dependency. 
says, I can't rely on these things. I can't rely on these things to give me. See, witchcraft relies on natural things to get its way. And they'll use their own attractiveness to do it. Listen, people say, well, I don't believe in that witchcraft. I don't believe in spells and things of that nature. Let me tell you what. In high school, when the most popular girl looked at you and spoke to you, it was like, <laughs> you're under a spell. She will get you to carry her bucks. Cut her grass. Come on. That's right, yeah. Do her homework. No kisses. But she'll get you to do anything by virtue of how she looks and how she communicates to you. That's a spell. Some of you are under a spell when it comes to your job. You think it's your source. And when the boss comes down and says, you got to do this, you got to do this, or you're not going to be employed, you're such under a spell that you don't see it as tyranny. You don't see it as something that is not right. You see it, oh, okay. <laughs> Boat payment. See, we're under spells all the time. We're under spells all the time. We're being manipulated all the time. It's only when we come to freedom in Christ Jesus and we're able to be led by the Spirit of God that we can get out of that. I'm not saying that we're out of that just simply because that happens. We can get the awareness to get out of it because to be led by the Spirit of God is to be a son and daughter of God. When we are led by the Spirit of God, then that means the words of men, the actions of men, the, the, the laws of men, the things of that, they don't necessarily apply to us. Because we're going to do what our master says, not what anyone else says. We're going to do what... I, I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. Now, witchcraft is rebellion. It's absolute, utter rebellion against God's order. And we're seeing that in the, the real pandemic is not a virus. The real pandemic is the fear and rebellion that is permeating our nation. Okay? It's rejection of God's authority legitimate authority and rebellion against his order. Okay? It's just like the first target was the American family or the family worldwide. Let's attack it because it's a microcosm of the kingdom of God. It's a small little molecule of what the kingdom of God is like. There's order. But yet most homes don't have that order. Hello. The kids rule the house when they're to be in subjection. And wait, listen, I, I, I walk with fear and trembling to say that the husband is the head of the wife. 
Oh, you, you say that, right? That's a hate speech. That's hate speech. People, people will pick up stones and they will stone you for saying that type of stuff. I mean, it's amazing that the majority of persecution that comes from the church is not casting out devils and it's not healing the sick. It's about family. That's where you're going to get the number one persecution coming from the world is going to be the establishment of the biblical family, a man and wife and children. Because our culture and what our colleges are trying to teach our people is that everything needs to be flatlined. That's why they war against all authority is because they are in rebellion. That's witchcraft. Witchcraft is rebellion against God's order. Now, Saul had a a directive given to him by God to go and kill the Amalekites. The Amalekites were a hybrid race of giants and Nephilim-based nation that afflicted the children of Israel all their days. And the minute that Saul was ordained as king, God says, go take care of Amalek. Well, guess what? Saul decided to do something different than what God said. He was not faithful to the command. How am I faithful? Faithful is not showing up. Faithful is not being here when everybody's not here. Faithful is doing what God says to do the way he wants it done. That's true faithfulness. And in fact, you cannot be declared faithful unless you do it as God said, do it. And the way he wants it done. We get our own ideas. Well, I think I'm going to help God out. I'm going to change this and do it a little different. That's not the way do it this way. Take care of it. Well, Saul gets his own idea. He begins to do it. We all do it, don't we? We all do it. Well, the Samuel comes in, and he says, why didn't you do what the Lord told you to do? He said, well, I was going to take these animals, and I was going to, you know, give them to God. You know, we always have some kind of spiritual reason why we're disobedient. Well, I just believe that mercy was needed here. No, God didn't want that. God wanted this, okay? Now, notice what he says in the 22nd verse here of 1 Samuel 15. He says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? That's a very big question that you need to ask yourself every day. Because we try to sacrifice our way out of doing the will of God. We think if we can give enough money, if we can, you know, I'll just do this and that'll make up for my lack of involvement with the Lord. He says, listen, sacrifice. God loves obedience more than sacrifice. Okay? All right? I know this is hardcore, but it's good. It's going to put some meat on your bones, all right? It says, Behold, 
to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Listen, the fat of rams was something that was very important in the Levitical priesthood. It was a, a sign of opulence. It was an opulent offering unto the Lord. It was a high-level offering. And he says, listen, to listen, to listen to God is better than the most opulent offering you could ever give the Lord. Just to listen to him. Oh, get a hold of that. Just listen to him. Get a hold of that. God wants you to listen to him. Now, we got to understand that listen and obey in the Hebrew and in the Greek is the same word. So you haven't fully listened until you obey. Come on. All right? Then he goes on and he says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, it says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, or divination, as some of your translations will say. And presumption, or stubbornness, is as iniquity and idolatry. So he equates witchcraft with rebellion and stubbornness with idolatry. Well, how can stubbornness be like idolatry? You are worshiping your own thoughts and ideas about everything. And when your way is supreme, you are operating in idolatry. Hello. So it's rebellion. All right? Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Only 50 more scriptures to go. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh, what a wonderful principle that is. Most people try to, you see, uh, <clears throat> suppress the flesh in order to walk in the Spirit. That's not the, that's not the prescription here. The more I try to suppress the flesh, the less I walk in the Spirit. No, we're to walk in the Spirit, and then that suppresses the flesh. Amen? He says, the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and what's that next word? Witchcraft, sorcery. It's a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. All right? Now, the 18th uh, chapter of the book of Revelation, if we could pop that up. I think I might have had that. I'm not going to turn there. Let's pop that up. It's, and, and this talks about the supernatural arm. This is the fall of Babylon at the end of days. And it says, And the light of the lamp will shine in you no more, talking about uh, Babylon, and the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more, for your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by what? 
your sorcery. All nations were deceived by your sorcery. All nations were deceived by what? Your sorcery. Guess what that word is? Pharmakeia. This rise in drug culture is for the deception of the nations. Buying up these fields. Growing pot plants. It's for the deception of the nations. That went over real well. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's get a little fire and then let's burn all of our cards. Hello. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. This is the last scripture right here. You got to get a hold of this. Genesis chapter 3. Are you with me today? All right. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now I want you to look at the word crafty. Doesn't mean he made crafts and sold them. It's the word subtle in King James. It also means shrewdness, tricky, cunning, and deceiving. It is the Hebrew word, arum, A-R-U-M, arum. And it means cunning, it means crafty, it means deceptive. It means con. It means, um, you know, just crafty. Have you ever had a crafty individual? Hello? Crafty individual. You just couldn't trust anything that they said, but they were very good at what they said. We had other words for them in the world. Hello? And they were artists at this stuff, and that's exactly what he's saying about the serpent, okay? So the serpent is crafty, he's cunning. In fact, if you look at the etymology of the word cunning, it comes from cute. You didn't get that. The devil doesn't come with horns. He doesn't come with a tail and he doesn't come ugly. He comes looking like your answer. Cute. Hello. How many have ever allowed someone to mess you over, but you let it go because they were cute? Oh, just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. <laughs> Hello. Now, I'm going to show you a picture. Let's show that picture that I gave you, Mark. These are my twin babies. Now, this is a funny picture because these babies had just started to walk, and they decided 
that they're going to get on top of the toy box. Now, it doesn't matter if I had every toy out on the floor, if I had a box in the living room, or had anything. They were going to go, and they were going to waddle over to that toy box, and they were going to get on that box. And I, I tried to find one where were they standing on it, because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to stand on the box. It was their great delight to stand on the box. Well, you know, babies can fall, especially when you have mischievous brothers right by you that like to push you down. So what did we say? Don't get on the toy box. How many, how many had those conversations as you were raising kids? Don't get on the toy box. But this is a room. Because look at Josiah's smile. Because this is how they would get up on the box. That's a room. The word nakash, which is the word for serpent, it actually, if you take down the etymology, it means Casanova. When you see these starlets and these actors... And they look, they look absolutely supernatural. They're putting the outward to get into your heart. And that's what a room is. Is that I'm going to distract you with my beauty to the point that I can infect you with something that is not beautiful. course we took a picture you know we thought it was cute I laughed Karen laughed Mimi laughed the devil laughed because they got away with it because they were so gosh darn cute and it's rebellion witchcraft manifesting in my house. And we laugh at that and then they get 16, 17, 18 and we're not laughing anymore because it's not a toy box anymore. It's friends you don't want them hanging around. Now, I haven't given you the punch yet and I got 51 seconds to do it. We see that through the serpent's deception, Eve was deceived. Adam partook of it willingly, you know, knowing the whole lowdown as to what he was doing. He was not ignorant. He was complicit. This was tyranny. I mean, this was, uh, uh, you know, this was uh, uh, traitorous. This, was, this wasn't just eating an apple and saying, I want to eat an apple. 
This is traitorous. This is siding with rebels. It's joining the rebellion that was already in process. Okay? Now, notice he, he goes on, and remember, after he partakes of it, it says, and they, uh, let's look here. It says in verse 7, the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. He goes on and uses the same word when uh, God asked him, Adam, where are you? He says, because I was naked, everybody say naked, I hid myself. And, you know, if you're naked, you do need to hide yourself. I mean, not everybody wants to see that. Um, and God says, who told you you were naked? Now, here's the problem. He's not talking about nudity. He wasn't talking about nudity. This word in the Hebrew is a room. You didn't get that. It's the same word used of the serpent. The word naked is the word a room. Adam and Eve knew that the nature of the Nakash, the nature of the serpent, was now their nature. I hid myself because I was a room. I was crafty. I was cunning. I was deceptive. Man became a part of the craft by nature. Are you with me? Witchcraft shows up in all different ways, not just like getting on top of the toy box and being cute about it. But husbands and wives use witchcraft all the time. There's been many times I've used witchcraft. I, listen, I'm a Gandalf the Grey, brother, sometimes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I want something. It's a little pricey. I know that I'm going to face objection. Okay? So I preemptively and proactively conceive a plan on how to get what I want. How can I manipulate my wife to allow me to get this high-dollar item? Well, I let her get a high-dollar item. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking about. I let her get something, and that way that gives me the basis to be able to get what I want because I can use the argument. That's crafty. That's crafty. Come on now. That's crafty. All right? You know you're under witchcraft when people are making you feel ashamed or when people are trying to make you feel guilty. 
Hello. How many had a mama like I had? She could slap the guilt on. I mean, she could slap it on. She could just slap that guilt on, make you feel absolutely guilty. And you, okay, all right. I'll, I won't do that. See, witchcraft is the fleshly ability to use tone, body language, the stare, the evil eye. How many of you know mama's evil eye? Come on now. Mama's got an evil eye. She'll, she'll kill you dead with it. She's got to hold back. She's got to hold it back. Better hold it back because if she gets that, oh, 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 oh. come on now. Glaring at you, you know. My son, my oldest son said, Dad, when you use that face, he said, I just can't think of anything else but dirty Harry. We begin to communicate in a way that brings about manipulation. See, witchcraft is about manipulation, intimidation, and domination. Because we have separated ourselves from the source, we feel a need to try to control our lives because that's basically what the knowledge of good and evil is about. You choose. You choose what's applicable. You, you know, you come up with a scenario and instead of going to God and saying, God, what does your word say or what do you, I get to choose, good or evil. Do you understand that? So I get to manipulate and I get to say, you know, if, if Rebecca does something to me, I get to choose. Am I going to be revengeful? Because that's witchcraft, being revengeful. Because that's God's duty. He said, I'm the Lord. He said, vengeance is mine. We're not even supposed to mess with that stuff. But, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, oh, you can mess with it. You've got the ability to do it. You can be as God. So we manipulate and then we intimidate. And mostly in the home, it's going to be the wife that's going to be more on the manipulative side and the husband that's going to be more on the intimidating side. But the goal is domination. That's the whole goal, is that I'm going to dominate you with my intellect, with my ability to argue, with my anger, with my witty banter, with my sarcasm. I'm going to cut you down. I'm going to manipulate you and control you with my words which is a spell. (coughs) Are you getting a hold of this? Casting spells all the time when you say, you always do this. You never do that. You are casting spells. Demons hear those things. Hello. And we got it at birth. You can't, you don't teach a baby to lie. They do it already. Yeah. The baby has a soiled diaper, 
cries, wants it changed. You hold the baby, cuddle, the baby likes that. Well, the baby likes to be hugged and cuddled, so it realizes that I can cry and not have a soiled diaper, and they'll pick me up. Manipulation. How many ever had the monster-in-law? Oh, mother-in-law. Sorry. Come on now. No one's good enough for my baby. So they'll manipulate and use and, and try to keep that umbilical cord connected. You know, you're walking around and you're just living your life and all of a sudden when mama doesn't like something, oh, you, you just feel it. I mean, it, it just almost like pulls you because of these soul ties and connections that they have made. I know men that have never left the house. It's not because they didn't have dreams or aspirations or goals. It's because mama. I got to wait till mama passes away. Well, she's going to live a long time. She's going to be a... She's going to be like Darth Vader. <laughs> you know. I want you to meet my mama. She's 120. She's 120. Come on. Because she's going to use every apparatus she can get. Fake lungs, fake everything. She's going to be walking around. And all you wanted to do was go to the Bahamas. Hello? You're under witchcraft when someone uses fear. And we're seeing that big. Using fear to manipulate you, to tell you, you do that, you're going to die. You're going to die. You do that, you're going to die. Amen? Can, can I read my list real quick? Okay, all right. All right. Because when we look at the works of the flesh, we can see these things, okay? Methods of manipulation. Using intense emotional connection to get your way. There are people that will get, get emotionally connected with you so that they can get their way with you. And they'll use flattery. Be very, very careful with people that say, Oh, my goodness, you are the best. I just, I'm just so impressed with you. I'm absolutely impressed with you. Man, you, you, you are, you know, and, and it can go to you are sexy and you are this and, you know, I mean, you know, just stuff like that. And, you know, guys saying to girls, if you were my wife, come on now, get rid of the junk, man. Get rid of the witchcraft. You're not supposed to be looking at anybody but your own wife. You want to know what kind of woman I like? It's who I'm married to. I've been married to that woman for 36 years. We've both been at different shapes and sizes during that time. But every shape, I like it. I love it. That's my shape. Come on now. Hello. 
whether it's an hourglass or a Tupperware bowl. It's sexy. Mm-hmm. Feel like Andy Griffin. Mm-hmm. Amen? That's who what I'm into. You want to know what I'm into? You can look at my wife. That's what I'm into. I'm not into your wife. Oh, come on. I'm not going to be saying, so. you look so good today. And boy, that really, that's not, that's improper. But it happens in churches. I can't tell you how many people have come in here. Do you have a singles group? I said, I don't have meat markets. Usually people that say something like that, they're predators. Hello, come on. I said, we're a family. Single or with family, we're family. We come together, single people, married people, all kinds of people. That's what we do. That's the way we do it. We don't have specific groups. And You're this, so we're going to put you in here and not going to do it. All right? All right. Use of sex to achieve goals. Well, we see that in our nation today. The use of sex. No connection, no love connection whatsoever. Just the use of it to get someone in a vulnerable position so that you can cause them to make decisions for you. Okay? All right? Uh, Withholding information. It's a form of witchcraft. Withholding information. You know something, something that's important, something that could help the individual, and you withhold it. Okay? Lying is not just telling lies, but withholding. Okay? All right. Uh, Isolation. You know, isolating. Get get mad at somebody, we're going to isolate you. We're going to put you over here. You're going to be by yourself, and you're going to feel lonely. Because that's your punishment for messing with me because I'm a witch. Hello? Gaslighting. This is real big. My mama was a great gaslighter. Mama, do you remember when you beat me half to death? I never did that. I, that never happened. Come on now. How many mamas? That never happened. Well, I got the scar right here. and That never happened. That was somebody else. That's gaslighting. Come on. How many, back in the old days when they used to whip children, how many got whipped? Come on. Oh, my goodness gracious. It was WWE at my house. <laughs> Pile driver off the bed. <coughs> I said, man, I got this scar right here. Don't you remember when? I never did that. You fell off the bike. You fell off the bike. Don't you remember that? Gaslighting. Making you not... Um, perception of reality is altered by the fact that you feel that your information is not accurate. And we're seeing that in our nation. Oh, that didn't happen. Election fraud? No. These These aren't the droids you're looking for. You can tell 
that the current, whoever he is, is not anointed to be president because you can just tell it. Barack Obama had an anointing to be president. This president doesn't have the anointing. I'm sorry. I'm just, I said it and that's it. God, God has not ordained him to be in there. I'm just, I'm just going to tell him. Let's let that out. All right. Verbal abuse. Verbal abuse. You start verbally abusing people, you're manipulating them. Well, you're a loser and you'll always be a loser and you're like your daddy and you'll always be like your daddy and you're like your mom. That's verbal abuse. And it can get really rank to where there's lots of, of different things, okay? Playing on a person's insecurities. See, these are all works of the flesh. You can take that work of the flesh and you can find every one of these in here. Playing upon people's insecurities. You know they're insecure you know they're prone to jealousy, so you use that as a means to manipulate and cause their, their emotions to change. That's what you want. That's a spell. That's a spell. That's witchcraft. You're trying to change the emotional chemistry of a person with your words. Okay. Playing on a person's insecurities changing the subject. How many have ever done this? You really want to talk to somebody about something that's really important to you and they change the subject on you. That's a form of manipulation. It's, I don't want to talk about this, let's change it. Come on. Some of you are looking at your spouses. You need to look straight ahead. <laughs> Moving the goalposts. How many have ever tried to, you know, achieve something, an objective that your spouse wanted to do, and then they move the goalpost another hundred yards? Or a boss that does this to you, okay? All right, this, this is also manipulation. Uh, using fear to control a person. Implicit threats, that means that they're not explicit. You're not necessarily saying, but the, the look is like, when we get out the car, I'm going to flay you alive. Hello. How many realize that? It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Passive-aggressive behavior. Where do you want to go eat? Well, I don't know. I don't care. Just wherever you want, baby. Well, I think I want Mexican. <sighs> Whatever you want, honey. <sighs> that's passive aggressive that's just as aggressive I hate Mexican and I hate you that's just the same thing it's just nicer did you know the Bible never tells you to be nice that's a substitute for kindness kindness is a fruit of the spirit being nice is putting on a mask it's putting on a mask and being nice, and on the inside you just want to, I'm going to kill you, I'm, you know. Hi, how are you? Nice. Be nice. Don't teach your kids to be nice. Teach them to allow kindness to be cultivated in your life. Amen. Silent treatment. Hello, silent treatment. Projection. That means you project the problems on someone else. It's not me. It's them. Projection. 
generalization. You know, you talk in generalized terms. Devaluation, where you begin to devalue a person with your words. Aggressive jesting, when you're just really making jokes at the person's expense. Having people wait on you, being late. That's a form of trying to gain. In fact, if you look at business books, they'll tell you that when you want to establish yourself as a boss, you show up late. And you make people wait on you. Lauren Michaels is known for not showing up for meetings, not even showing up for meetings and having the actors stay and wait. And it's a form of control. It's, I'm in charge. You're not. Okay? Also, using the home court advantage. Only having direct, hard conversations in places they feel comfortable at. Like their desk. Are there, if you want to talk about something that is very important and hard, go somewhere neutral. Go somewhere where both of you can. There's no, you know, weapons of warfare around you to create intimidation. Do you see what I'm saying? Amen? So I didn't get through it all, and we may touch on this a little bit more, but uh, I believe you get the picture. Amen? We, listen, Jesus came to bring us life. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. Well, you can see that all those things I listed are laborious. They're absolutely laborious. They absolutely will drain the life out of you if you continue to do them. He says, learn of me. Take my yoke. And I'll bring you rest to your soul. What's he saying? I'll get you away from a room and I'll bring you into truth. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We'll have ministers up here that will pray with you, that will uh, minister to whatever need you might have here. Jesse's coming. Glory to God. Hurts so good.